We are the Bride Radio as the voice of the true Bride of Christ. the bride of Christ to stand up and take your place in the army in the kingdom we recognize our battle is not with flesh and blood but with the principalities and the powers of the air we are a ministry of prayer and we highlight what God is doing through other ministries and ministers across the globe we provide a platform for ministers and a place for the bride to come together and rally around each other, hold up each other's arms, and pray for one another. WATB Radio celebrates the various missions that God has called each one of us to in this army, so we desire to promote and enhance the bride as a whole. Go, bride! Our soon-coming king awaits. This is a WATB disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this show do not necessarily reflect the views of We Are the Bride Ministries, We Are the Bride Radio, or We Are the Bride Television. Thank you. Welcome to Fireside Chat with Dr. June Knight. But we are reading First Peter chapter 2. Okay, so let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, Lord. That your word trumps everything we see. Your word trumps everything we hear. Your word trumps everything we believe. Your word is the truth. And the truth is what will set us free. So this morning as we read the word, Lord, we ask that, Holy Spirit, that you will illuminate the word to us today and that you will bring it to life and we worship and praise you today lord in jesus name amen now bride on this beautiful saturday morning uh, it's really nice to be able to spend time with you and i just want to repent to all of you uh, that write me and tell me how much you miss my bible studies i miss them too uh, hopefully now these conferences are over and now i can get back to my regular lifestyle and uh, my regular habits and be able to go back to doing my Bible studies and my exercises and all the things that I need to do All right, so let's start off with first Peter chapter 2 Wherefore laying aside all malice and all gal and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that it may grow thereby if so be you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. This is the only way we can grow, bride, is by the word of God, see. He's saying, come on, children of men, I mean children of God, rise up and get off of the milk and let's, let's go for the meat. To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. You also, as lively stones, are built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices 
acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Now, you remember I asked the Lord, what do you mean when when you say spiritual house and stones and Jesus is the chief cornerstone and when you talk about the people stoning other houses, throwing stones at them, why do they throw stones? Well, come to find out, bride, the Lord told me what it is. See, you know, remember, we are the temple. So we are a stone. We are a temple made of stone, living stones. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Now, you know that in our cells, we have this little part in our cells called, I think it's liniment, something like that. It is shaped like a cross. Did you know that that cross is what connects all of the cells in our body? He's the chief cornerstone. Isn't that amazing? So the Lord told me when I asked him, why did people get stoned? He said, because the other stones, which is like, say, the body of Christ, they're rejecting the rotten stone. The one that uh, disobeyed God, uh, hurt the kingdom of God or whatever. So they took their stones, representing their stones, and then they cast that one out. We saw that a lot in the Old Testament whenever we studied the temple. Remember that? Uh, we learned a lot about God's laws and how God's laws were made and about Moses going up on the mountain and having the encounter with God and all this. And how the mountain shook and the lightning came and all this. How serious God is about his laws. Now, let me tell you, a lot of people say, oh, you're just being legalistic. But let me tell you something, Brad. It's not that you're being legalistic. It's that you love him. What does the Lord say? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. There, in Christianity, there are boundaries. See, this is the difference between uh, this and the world. The world has no boundaries. Christianity has boundaries. Why? Because God is saying, just like he did with the temple, look, my son, my daughter, I want to have a relationship with you, but I'm holy. So I'm just telling you, in order for us to have a relationship, don't do this, don't do that, because I can't let you come near to me. If you're full of sin and you're perverted and all this, I can't let you near to me. I want you near to me. So I'm just telling you, don't do these things because it breeds sickness, it breeds death, it hurts your children, it hurts your family. You know, God knows best, so he has these rules and precepts. So uh, that's what makes up a house, okay? So you are a cornerstone, you are a house of God. Okay, so I hope that helped you. Now, so in verse 5 it says, You also as living stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Well, we think about as okay, when we worship the Lord. When we worship the Lord, did you know that your hand is a weapon? Your arm is a weapon. Your legs are a weapon. Your mouth is a weapon. Every move you make when you worship is a weapon because you are the temple. You are a house made and committed to God. So when you do that, you're, you're slicing up the kingdom of darkness. Y'all know I'm a dancer, so I love that kind of stuff. Okay, so you're, a, you're giving your body as a sacrifice to the Lord when you worship. Wherefore, in verse 6, Wherefore, also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, 
and he that believes on him shall not be confounded. We are not confounded today, Lord. Unto you, therefore, believe he is precious. But unto them which are disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. Come on now. The truth is offensive. Because guess what, bride? Jesus is truth. It says that, uh, But unto them which are disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling. He's a stumbling block. And Jesus is a stumbling block to the devil's agenda. So he does not like him. Even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But you, come on now, you who are obedient, you are a chosen generation. You're royalty, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God. Come on now, which had not obtained mercy, but has now obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles that Wherever they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. So what that means is don't worry about what other people say. I sure don't, bride. People talk about me all the time. People talk about you all the time. Let it be. Let it go. People are going to be people. You got to let the haters go. Let the people that are doing what they're doing and making life choices, their choices, let it go. You continue to walk in obedience and, and even if they misunderstand your calling, your giftings, your actions, if they misunderstand what the Word of God says, is that one day they will be ashamed because they spoke against what God is telling you to do because they don't understand it or because they're choosing to live a life of disobedience and they don't like what's happening in your life of obedience. So continue doing what you're doing. Let the haters hate. And you keep on going forward. Because as you obey, you're going to keep rising and they're going to keep hating. So this is what it's saying. Keep going. Because one day they will be ashamed. Alright, let's continue. Okay, so... Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God that with well-doing, well-doing, you may put to silence the ignorant of foolish men. Now, Bride, you got to remember this, too, when it comes to the opinion of others. Okay, a lot of people do not understand. Like, if you're a researcher like me and you know all this stuff, a lot of people, they don't understand what you understand. So they're going to have opinions because they're not educated in the areas that you're educated in. You see what I mean? Like, 
they're going to have the opinions based upon their level of understanding, their level of education. So what he's saying here in the Word is, let it go. Because he's saying, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, okay, or unto governors as unto them that are sent for him by the punishment of evildoers for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance. What's ignorance? People that just don't know. That's like I was telling y'all, okay? I was at this event this week with all these other faiths. That's why I asked you, Bride, please pray for me. I'm around all these different religions, all these different devils. I was in the beast this week, you know what I'm saying? So when I asked you to pray for me, and I told you, you're going to see pictures of me with different religions. Don't freak out, okay? This is part of the calling where God has called me to with media, okay? So when it says, in well-doing, you will put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. So people may look at me and judge me for that, but they're just ignorant because they don't understand what I know, what God has called me to do, and why I have to be there to document this or something. You see what I'm saying? So just keep going forward. And I was telling y'all, a lot of these people from these different faiths, they don't understand Jesus. They don't understand him like we do. They're ignorant. They're ignorant of the truth. So we have to have mercy and we have to have grace because they don't understand uh, Christianity the way that it really is. You know, they understand it as a religion and the negativity they hear. But not relationship, you know, type of deal. So let's continue here. Um, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. As free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. That is so profound. Because he's saying, yes, you are free in the Lord, but we're not to use it as a cloak of maliciousness. And the way it describes it here as a garment of sin. Okay, I am a Christian, so thus I can go out here and do all these sins because Jesus has forgiven all the sins I'm going to do in the future. That's a doctrine. Can you believe it? That is a doctrine out there. Once saved, always saved. I can do what I'm going to do because I'm going to end up going to heaven. And it's a very dangerous doctrine. The devil is out to steal, kill, and destroy. There's spiritual warfare every day. And we have to fight that spiritual warfare. You know what, Brad? You have to die to yourself every single day. Every day you have to pray, Lord, I pray on the full armor of God today. Because you recognize, you know you're in a spiritual warfare. This is not a game out here. This is life and death every day you're in a warfare. If I really believed in one saved, every, one saved, always saved, then I would not engage in any warfare. Does that make sense? Because why? what's the point? I mean, the devil can't touch you because even if I go out and sin, Jesus has already forgiven that. So, you know, I mean, that's ludicrous thinking. 
And so every day is warfare. So you get up, you pray on the full armor of God. Lord, I thank you that I have on the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation protects my thoughts, protects the enemy's darts coming in my mind. I pray on the breastplate of righteousness. Why is that, Brad? Because your heart is deceitful. You can't trust your heart. So you need that breastplate, which is a plate to uh, guard the darts that are hitting that plate, trying to bring a fence in. I pray on my loins, gird about with truth. Where is your loin area? Your sexual parts. With truth. The truth is God wants us holy. We're only to release those parts in marriage. No other way. And so we keep the truth around us. Our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Everywhere your feet go, you have dominion. So when you go, you are bringing peace in every situation. So you're able to go there, declare the truth, and speak peace uh, into people's lives. When they are bound up, that's why we need the Holy Ghost. When people come around, He'll reveal to you what it is they need. When God brings them to you, He will give you the solution for them. That's why we have to hear the Holy Spirit. Okay, and then it says here, uh, Okay, honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Who's the king? Our president. Do we see in all the Christians honoring him? Come on now. This will preach. Preach. I'm going to have to quote that and put it on Facebook. That scripture right there. Honor the king. Are they honoring their, our king? Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the forward. For this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience turn toward God, endure grief, suffering, and wrongfully. That's another doctrine out there that teaches Christians do not suffer. I disagree with that doctrine. Christians do suffer. And we're headed into great suffering, Brad. I'm just going to make this announcement right now. We think the persecution right now is bad. We are going into a great persecution. I just did a radio show last night about digital persecution. Whether you see it or not, Brad, that is persecution. When Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, which is owned by Facebook, and uh, all the big giants, when they shut the mouth of the church, when they shut them down, because they disagree with them speaking truth, which is what is our truth? The Bible. They do not want the Bible out there. So they are trying to shut the mouth of the church. What does that mean, Brad? It means we're suffering. That is a part of the beginning of suffering. It's going to get worse because they're, like with the Democrats passing these laws right now, uh, in the House, headed over to the Senate, H.R. 5, and all this. These uh, laws are meant to silence the church. So suffering is coming, Brad, more than we want to know. Okay, so verse 20. For what glory is it if when you are buffeted for your faults, you take it patiently? 
But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. In other words, I've been telling you, bride, we cannot control what other people do to us. We can only control how we react to it. And that is where we answer to God, okay? We do not answer to God for other people's actions. If we have people persecuting us, putting us down, stabbing us in the back, doing all this terrible stuff, speaking curses over us, stealing our ideas, stealing this, stealing whatever they're doing, God is watching. They will answer to a holy God, just like you and I will. So where we're judged by God is, is the offense comes to me. I have to go to God about my reaction to it. So I go to God, and I have so many times. Lord, look what she did to me. I am so upset, Lord. Why would she do that to me? You know, and then I complain. And then Lord would turn around and say, well, look at your heart. And he would go like, bam, look at yourself, woman. He would examine myself. And then I would have to repent even though she was wrong. Why, why would I have to repent over her offense to me? Because of uh, my heart or whatever it was that I had to repent about. The point is, God keeps it on us. Things that happen in our life is to burn and sift us into greatness. When it says here that are we going to take it patiently when offense comes towards us? That's like this bill that they have before the house for the African Americans where they all want money for all their suffering. I'm like, where is the church? This is so ridiculous. Where is the church? Where is the forgiveness out here? Where are the peacemakers that the Bible says that we have to be? Where are those that say they want to honor the king? What? I mean, where is the forgiveness? That is what I want to know. How are we going to move forward if we're constantly living in the past? You see what I mean? Like we have got to, the church has got to rise up. But the point that I'm trying to make to all of this is, whenever offenses come, we have to go before God. This is called not only humility, but um, meekness whenever offense comes towards us we go to God and say God we bring it to God and then we say these people are saying this they are doing this examine my heart Lord Am I, have I done something to bring this on it's called responsibility before God it is answering to a holy God and that's what we need to do as a church in this country. Like yesterday when I did that broadcast and I told y'all that I was repenting, it was because I want to be held accountable to God for our nation. I want him to know, God, I see this. My eyes see the suffering. I see the depravity, Lord. And I'm bringing it before you. And I'm saying to you as an American, even if I'm one little small voice that, you know, people may dismiss out here. I am still an American citizen. I am still a church. I'm still the bride. Whether anybody else out there considers me insignificant or not, in his eyes, I am. 
So I stand before you, Lord, and I ask you to forgive my peoples, Lord. Forgive my country. I am so sorry, Lord, that we're doing, and I'm sorry that the church is partnering with it. That grieves me even more. Lord, forgive us that America does this before your eyes. It grieves me. I can't imagine how it grieves you, Lord. And so I'm accepting responsibility before a holy God for the actions of my peoples, the actions of myself. When offense comes, I give before God and say, okay, how? what do I do here, Lord? And so that's what it's saying right here. In verse 19, it says, For this is thankworthy if a man of conscience towards God endures grief. See, that's the problem. People have lost their endurance. And remember, Bride, I've been telling you, we cannot leave our assignments until God says so. Being up here in Washington, I am away from my children. I am away from my grandchildren. You don't know what I've had to give up to be here. My heart is over there. I would rather be going to their ball games and cooking them dinners and having them over for the weekend and and all the other fun stuff that other grandmothers get to do and be. But God has called me here in the midst of the beast, in the midst, you know what I'm saying? He's called me here as a woman alone uh, to come up here and to go to all these things. And a lot of it grieves me. It grieves me when I see what's happening out here. And so, but I have to stay and I have to endure until God releases me. As bad as I want to go, I have to stay. And I have to adapt to where I'm at. I have to adapt to the situation. I have to adapt to the suffering. And I have to trust that God has the best for me. And the deal is, when I was in that trailer, when I bought that trailer with my mother's inheritance back in Tennessee, when I lived in that little trailer, I was in the desert, basically. I was in a town two hours from Nashville, uh, no support around me, and I was there, and God took care of me. He showed me. This is when I was doing that research for a year. God showed me while I was there in my cabin on the hill, basically. He showed me, I am going to take care of you everywhere I send you, woman. And he brought pastors from out of state to bring me food. I have stories of miracles that happened while I was there in the desert. Now he's brought me to the city. I'm alone in the city. I'm up here in the most expensive place in the country. I, it's nothing to spend $20 when you go out to eat. I mean, it's like just everything is so expensive. The parking, everything. The rent, I've never paid rent this much, in my, you know what I'm saying, in my life. And so, um, but wherever God sends you, God will supply. You have to endure until God releases I have to stay here and put up with all this until God releases me. And I just try to make the best of it, and I try to enjoy it, but my true heart is grieving because I miss my family beyond belief. Like this summer... After doing all these conferences, I wanted to go see my children and grandchildren before they all went back to school. I have two daughter-in-laws uh, that are pregnant. I wanted to see them before the babies are born. And I asked the Lord for the money. They didn't come in, so I can't go. I have to endure, Brad. 
and we all have to endure. And listen, I have prayed with many of you that are in terrible marriages. Uh, you're in terrible situations. Some of you are taking care of your parents that are really mean to you because they're in dementia. Listen, I hear you. I, my heart is with you. I, I know you're suffering. And this is why a lot of you women love me so much because I, I feel the inf your infirmities. I feel, you know, I'm not so high up that I cannot have a relationship with the average common American. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? I am a real person. Uh, my life is real. You know, I include you in my life. But because of all the blessings rolling in, I'm ha I've had to roll off, uh, back up a little bit of being so transparent because of the backlash from jealousy. So, uh, but anyways, that's another story. But the point is, is that I have to stay here and, you know, just do what God tells me to do and all of you too. I'm sorry, but we have to. When the time comes when God releases you, it will be worth it, Brian, because you will have passed the test. Just like it says right here, I feel the presence of the Lord so much right now. It says right here in verse 19, for it is thankworthy, thankworthy, if a man for conscience towards God, we have our conscience towards God, we're always thinking of Him, we're always wanting to please Him, when their conscience is toward God, they endure the grief, suffering wrongfully. This is what I'm saying about the African-American church. Yes, if you have suffered wrongfully, forgive. It says right here, how many of you are suffering wrongfully? I mean, think about it. There's people that's been in sex trafficking and all kinds of terrible situations. We have to forgive and move forward. Okay, so next verse 20. For what glory is it if when you are buffeted for your faults, come on, you shall take it patiently. But if when you do well, how many of you out there are doing well? And you suffer for it? You take it patiently? For this is the accepted will of God. What? <gasps> you mean as a Christian I have to suffer? What you mean I'm gonna have to suffer and endure hardship as a Christian? Yes. I don't care what these new age gurus are out here teaching you people. No, when you stand up for truth, especially on social media, and you stand up and you speak that this lifestyle is gonna send you straight to hell, that the word of God is the truth and the devil is lying to you, persecution is gonna knock on your door. Hello now. Why? Because the mainstream church is partnering with the vomit. The mainstream church is like the mainstream media all have an agenda. And so they are partnering with this mess and they're doing this inclusion. And God says, come out from among them, bride. Be ye separate. You are not to be like this. You're not to mix with the ungodly. There's no way you can ever approve this in the Bible. No way. You are to be ye separate. Come out from among them. Speak the truth. Speak the word. People need to get saved. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. And so when you speak the truth, you're going to suffer. So it says, take it patiently, for this is acceptable with God. And you know, I think of Leah and Rachel. Rachel was the favored one. Rachel was the beautiful bride. 
that he really wanted. But Leah was the one that the father chose. So Leah suffered the whole marriage because he didn't like her. He wanted Rachel. So she was rejected. And she had all those children, right? But guess who in the end, after God saw her suffering, who was the one that God honored? It was Leah. Leah. Because her heart remained with God. And that's what we have to do, Brad. And our suffering is going to get worse. I'm just telling you right now. Verse 21, For even hereunto were you called. You were called for such a time as this. Yes, our suffering is going to get worse, but this is where the light comes out. This is where as the darkness gets grosser, the light gets brighter. This is the good news, Brad. So it says, For even hereunto, for even for this, you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us as an example that you should follow his footsteps. Remember, Brad, I told you the story of when I was on that uh, first tour to kick off the, let's see, was it television? And that was back in 2016. Or 2015. This was back in 2015 when I was kicking it off officially. And I was suffering so bad. I was homeless, persecuted like you wouldn't believe because now I have a doctor degree. Uh, masters in corporate communications and all I'm doing is going around and teaching churches how to come up and use their uh, rise teaching their teams how to do media how to do live streaming how to do social media and all this I'm suffering because I didn't get paid to do that I did all that for free across the country and I helped all the ministers so I was suffering so bad driving this old beat-up car uh, 260,000 miles uh, Let's see, what was that condition? Uh, bald tires. and It wasn't the rod knocking when it was the other car. But anyways, the point is, I was driving across the country having to trust God every day. How am I going to have gas? How am I going to eat? Blah, blah, blah. So I get to Louisiana, and my friends tell me, hey, we got you a job at our church. You're going to make $100,000 a year. They're going to give you a new car, and uh, you're going to make a lot of money, and you can do what you love to do. You can serve the church and still do what you do on the side. And at first I said no because I was doing this tour for television. And then I got to thinking about it because I went to school so I'd have money. Come on now. I was a single woman and my kids were grown and out of the nest and I wanted to be able to be self-sufficient. You know how you do. And so I said no, but then I got to thinking about it. Oh man. I could work for a church and have insurance. <gasps> I can have money. I can have a car, a decent car. Yes. So I went in there and filled out the application. I was so excited. So I filled out the application. Boy, I could just taste it. Yes. <laughs> After all these years, I finally get money and I finally have a job. Lord, people don't know how much I wanted a job. And I, when people would uh, make fun of me for not having a job, I would tell them, you don't think I want one. Are y'all people crazy? I'm a workaholic. What the world? So anyway, so I go to sleep dreaming. Oh, I can't wait. I get to settle down finally. I can have a job. Yes, Lord. <laughs> the Lord came to me in a dream. You know, when he rebukes me, he walks right in my dreams. And he walked in my dream and he said, 
You are not allowed to stay here. This is not your home. You have to get back on the road. He said, in the morning, I want you to go out there. They've got a cross in the driveway, and I want you to nail your sorrows to the cross. Nail your life to the cross. So in my dream, I was repenting to him, and I said, Lord, I'm sorry. So I wake up the next morning. I go in the kitchen, and the woman that uh, was uh, telling me I could live with her for free while I had this job. I mean, it was a perfect setup. I go in there, and she is weeping. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? And she said, the Lord whipped me all night long. He told me that I could not do that, that you have to go, that you are his, you are set apart, you've got to go, you can't stay here. And so I told her, I said, yep, he ripped me too. I got in trouble. So do you have, uh, you know, a hammer and nails and post-it notes? And she's like, yeah. So I go out there and I take his blanket. It was a beautiful morning bride in Louisiana. And I, I put the blanket down. I had my box of tissues because I'm a weeper in intercession. So I had my box of tissues. I had the post-it notes. And I'm looking up at this big cross, like six foot tall. So I'm looking up at this cross and I said, I want a job. <laughs> I'm telling the Lord this. I want a job, Lord. So I go up there. I put it on the cross. And I put the nail on it. And I'm holding the nail. And I take the hammer and I go to pop. And when I did, I saw Jesus on the cross suffering for me. And then that cracked me. Oh, I cracked. I started weeping and I was nailing it and I was pictured nailing Jesus to me wanting a job. And then I'd say, rejection from family. Put that on there. Nailing it, weeping. Rejection from the church nailing it uh all this so i and when i got finished bride that whole cross was full with my suffering and i took a picture of it i hope i can find it one day but i took a picture of it and i was like look at all that and he went through all this for me and i'm crying over this like my suffering i think my suffering is so big compared to what he went through and so i'm sitting there just sitting on this blanket just weeping like God, I had to die. That was my dying moment. So when after I was finished sobbing, snotting, sobbing, the Lord says, I want you to take all them snotty tissues. I had a pile of snotty tissues. And I want you to take them post-it notes. I want you to go over there in the driveway. I want you to set it on fire, and I'm going to consume it myself. So I'm like, how is it going to burn? You know, I'm thinking all this stuff naturally. So I took... I had this plan. I put the snotty tissues on the bottom on the gravel. I put all of my sorrows that I nailed on the cross on top of the snotty tissues. I go in the house, ask for a lighter. I come out and I lit the paper thinking I was slick. So I go over there and I sit on the porch and I'm watching it, you know, starting to burn. And all of a sudden, bride, this funnel cloud come down from heaven like this. And it goes, and it hit it and it went north, south east and west in the shape of a cross and a smoking flame like this and then it went and it disappeared he consumed it and i'm sitting there like you know like oh my lord i just saw this with my natural eyes and he said your repentance today has brought you the nations from the north south east and west so the point that i'm trying to say is 
your suffering is for a reason. As we're studying this today in 1 Peter, let's see, 1 Peter chapter 2. When it says right here, for what glory is it? For when you are buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently. But if you're doing well, like I was on that tour, and I was suffering so greatly, you take it patiently, which means continual death to yourself, continual nailing yourself to the cross, continual dying, continual putting your wills, your desires, your dreams, your hopes, everything on the cross again. And this is one of my biggest faults, Brad, that I've noticed being up here, is, and this may be with some of y'all too that the Lord has convicted me of, is expectations. I expect the bride to act a certain way. I expect this person to act a certain way. I expect this person to act a certain way. When they don't, it disappoints me. You see what I mean? Like, I feel hurt. Well, the Lord has revealed to me that's my fault because I have expectations. I should have my expectations on the Lord and His Word. Does that make sense? So when I, you know, get disappointed and upset by expectations, the Lord will check me, you know? And He'll say, that's your expectations. It may not be my will. You see what I'm saying? So the point is, is no matter what comes your way, we have to examine our heart before God. We have to allow Him to rebuke us, chastise us, and to correct us because if we are in a walk with God and we are not being corrected something's wrong because there is none of us that have arrived not a one and if we believe that one saved always saved and we don't never have to be corrected we don't never have to say that we've done anything wrong we don't never have to consider looking at ourselves because we're always going to go to heaven we're in error as well we have got to know we are in a spiritual warfare and we are in a war every single day and in order for us to go here, it's a continual death to here. So we have to go before God and allow Him to correct us and chastise us. Listen, I love it when He rebukes me. I love it. Because a lot of times you don't even know you're doing it, Brad. A lot of times you don't even know you're in sin. I mean, like he'll, like God, He'll reveal pride or, you know, He'll reveal your motive, you know. And... What can you say when God exposes it? You just say, yes, Lord, I repent, I renounce. And I just want to say, Brad, too, this is a big Bible study, but it's because I don't ever have time with you. But your, uh, your responsibility as a Christian is definitely to renounce uh, allegiances you made with the devil whenever God brings it to your attention something that you've done in the past renounce it and say it like I renounce my agreement with the Ouija board I renounce my agreement with that ideology remember I told you the story of the ex-Muslim man he never renounced it and he still had some of that in him he still had that anger towards women and superiority to women and all that and I asked him one day I said, did you ever renounce Islam? And boy, it was like a demon come out of that man. 
He said, I don't have to renounce it. I said, yes, you do. Because you have to come out of agreement with that ideology. All that stuff that you allowed in, you have to say with your mouth, I recant that, I renounce that, I, I don't agree with it. Because it's still in there, brother. The way that you act, it is still in there. <laughs> Anyways, let's finish this. I think one of you brought up a good scripture. Kimberly. Yes, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Encourage yourself in the Lord. That is true because when you're expecting others to act a certain way or you're expecting someone to react a certain way, when they don't, that is hope deferred because you hope that they will react this way. You know, the other day, uh, I repent to you, I got upset. I posted on Facebook, I said, I'm, I'm stuck, I'm in trouble, and nobody helped, and I was disappointed. I was stuck at a Union Station with no money, and uh, I had to get to, um, like, it was only, I don't know, five or ten miles down the road. I had to get to a governmental meeting, and I was stuck and didn't even have the money to get an Uber. And so I had to suffer my pride and put it on Facebook, help. I mean, I'm help, you know. I'm stuck here at Union Station. I've got to have a donation. Can somebody please donate? And so nobody donated. I got real upset about it in my heart. And then I had to repent to the Lord. And But that's what I'm saying. It's the expectations. We cannot do that. All right, let's continue. For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us as an example that you should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, which we have to guard, right? Who, when he was reviled, when the offense come to him, he did not revile back. See? We are not to give revenge. Why, bribe? Because revenge is mine, says the Lord. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. In other words, he trusted the Lord patiently. He's like, God, okay, I'm suffering, but I know that you have a reason for me doing this. And in this Bible, it calls it Christ's meekness, his meekness when he was dying on the cross. And that is what God is speaking to us this morning is about meekness, definitely. Whenever, I tell y'all this too, whenever chaos comes, when trials come in our life, the first thing we should do is get on our face before God and ask Him, have we opened a door somewhere, Lord? We need to have accountability to God for our own actions. We can't control what other people do. All right, and then verse 24, we're almost done, Brad. Verse 24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body. On the tree that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness. By whose stripes you were healed. Which means what Jesus went through is where your healing is. He already paid the price. For you were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls which means we were sheep going down the wrong road when we was in the world when we lived as the world lives but now we have the great shepherd we have the great bishop which is Jesus Christ alone and so he is the one that is going to take us into all the truth 
And when we allow him to correct us, chastise us, and rebuke us, and keep us in line, we grow like this. But if we're all the time saying, I'm taking dominion over the devil, how dare him come against me like this? The first thing I say, get on your face. You may have opened a door somewhere. You're losing your chance to go forward uh, by doing that. And then when God, after you spend your time with him, God may reveal it is an attack, then go to war. But the first thing we should do is get on our face. Because a lot of times, Brad, we open the door and we don't even realize it. It's a good chance for us to grow. Self-examination is the word today. Self-examination, meekness, and trusting in God, not getting revenge, not looking back. Uh, I heard a great preacher yesterday say that if you live off of your past memories, you're dead already. I was like, wow, that is profound. Because if all you do is sit and talk about, oh, I used to do this, and I used to do that, I remember the days of old, and we need to bring the days of old back, please, people, no, there's a better forward. There is a better forward. God wants to do something fresh. He wants to do something new. He is a unique God. Like, all of us are created unique. All of us are created different. I've got beady little eyes because I have Cherokee Indian. I have brown hair, which is now loaded with gray, you know. Uh, my cheekbones are high. My face is round. I mean, I'm created the way God created me. And he created me white, and I can't help it. It's the same way with every other person across the planet. God has created you for such a time as this, the way you are, looking like you are. Uh, definitely, I mean, I'm not talking about being fat and skinny and all that. I'm talking about the created you. God created you that way, that color, in that environment for a reason. Because God wants to use you in that environment for a reason. We shouldn't uh, regret it. We should embrace it. We should celebrate what God is doing in our life and ask Him, Lord, okay, you made me this way. You put me in this environment. What is it you want me to do, Lord? I want to have my hearing in tune with heaven. I want to have the frequency of heaven. I want to know your voice, Lord. I want to move by your voice. I want to move by the word. I don't want to move by my DNA. I don't want to move by my culture. I don't want to move by my past. I don't want to move by the expectations of my family, my culture, my community, nothing. I want to move by you, Lord. Let me just hear your voice. That's the most important thing in my life is to understand you and to hear you, Lord, because that is where I will go. And then when I go, you will meet me over there because that is obedience. You don't have to have it all lined up for me over there, Lord. You don't have to prove to me that this anymore. You tell me to go and I go because I know that you are over there. Where you guide, you provide. Where you lead, you will provide. Uh, it's always over there. And so I trust you, Lord. And so, Bride, I guess that's it for today. And I just want to tell you, if you're suffering, God knows you're suffering. He knows what you're going through. And he actually has a reason for it. Embrace it. Ask him, Lord, okay, like my aunt, I can really testify a testimony of my aunt. She's 85. Had to be put in a nursing home. She hates it because she has a beautiful home. 
but she had to be put in a nursing home because she fell and broke her ankle. Her attitude was, when she went in the nursing home, not like my mother who was like screaming going there, she said, Lord, how can you use me in the nursing home? And guess what happened, Brad? She ministered at 85 years old to a lot of people. And that's like that woman I went to minister to last night. Uh, she was 97. And she is thanking me for coming to see her. This woman is a, is a treasure. She is an icon in our country. And just so gracious. Every person that come in there, every nurse, everybody, the doctor, she said, let me pray for you. And she blessed everyone that come to see her. So the point that I'm trying to say is, is where your suffering is, is where God has you. Trust him that he has a reason for putting you in that culture, putting you in that area, in that community, putting you everywhere. So let me pray for you, Brian. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful, hot, sweltering 100 degree morning. <laughs> we thank you, Lord. For all of the birds still chirping and hasn't burned up in this heat we thank you lord for the beauty of the sun the beauty of the nature the beauty of the garden lord that you put us in lord we thank you for the beauty of your love we thank you for correcting us today we thank you for keeping us in truth and keeping our hearts aligned with heaven lord we celebrate becoming children of God, children that you can correct and rebuke and chastise. And you said it right here in the beginning of 2 Peter, Lord, when you talked about our hearts. I may have to pray, hold on. Jesus, Lord, I take, a, I take dominion over that situation in that car right now. Lord Jesus, send angels to that car, bride. You wouldn't believe what just happened, Lord. I hate domestic violence, don't you, bride? I'm sorry I was interrupted. They were screaming at each other and hitting each other in the car. I pray it wasn't a mother to children. Oh, I hate seeing that. But anyway, Lord. I pray for all my brothers and sisters out there, Lord. Uh, I pray that you would help them and that they would hear your voice. This is what I pray for you, Brian, more than anything. With the times that are ahead, the what's coming in this country, that they would hear your voice, Lord, more than any other thing, any other sign, miracle, or wonder. All that stuff is vain compared to the hearing of the Lord. Lord, we have got to hear your voice because we've got to know how to act. We've got to know how to move. We've got to know what to say and do in this hour. I pray for all my friends that are watching this broadcast, Lord, that, they would, that you would clean out all the pipes. Come on now. Clean out all these pipes. Clean them out so that they can hear very, very clearly from heaven and they can act upon that word and that they would trust your voice, Lord. And that they would follow that voice. Follow the shepherd just like sheep follow in Jesus' name. And Lord, so I pray that all of my friends that are suffering, that you would help them, Lord, to not be so angry wanting to escape all the time. But that they would slow down and breathe and ask you, okay, Lord, 
you've got me here. I can't do this without your grace. This is me praying to him all the time. I can't do this without your grace. I've got to know, Lord, what do you want me to do today? How can I live this life? How can I even get through this? The suffering is so bad. And Lord, you will give it to them. So I partner with heaven today for grace, grace, grace upon all my friends. The grace to endure, the grace to overcome, the grace to know uh, what the hypocrisy is that's happening in our country, the grace to know what is the heresy, the great, the grace to know uh, what is vomit in your mouth, Lord, what is the stench in your nostrils, so that they can pull back and not partner with that agenda, not touch the unclean thing, not get involved in this system, this beast that's being set up right now, Lord. I pray that you cover my friends in the blood of Jesus, Lord, and that you would keep them grounded and not so heavenly minded. I mean, not so, you know, that they're no earthly good type of deal, but that they see uh, that they're not overlooking what's happened so they can see and prepare and that they can listen to you in the midst of the chaos and that they can know how to act and what to do because we are soldiers in the army of the living God and we want to be led by you, Lord. We want to be led by you. And I pray for all my friends that are not filled with the Holy Ghost, that you fill them with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Because we are going to need tongues in the very near future to communicate. And I pray that every one of them will be filled with the Holy Ghost and that they would have a prayer language with you, Lord, where they can pray in tongues anywhere at any time and people will not be able to understand them. That you would help them, Lord, to have that heavenly communication. And Lord, I pray that you give them prophetic dreams and visions, and that you would speak to them very clearly about their destiny, Lord, because this is the hour. They have to know where they are called. What are they called to do? What is their mission? And Lord, I wanna pray for all the ministers out there that are disappointed, okay? The ministers that are disappointed because they're called of the Lord, but yet their situations will not allow them to pursue it. I pray for those. I pray that you comfort them. And this is what I pray. I pray that you allow them to have an outlet in their suffering. That you would show to them and reveal to them how they can still minister in the midst of their suffering. And one example that I can think of Lord, is when I was with my mother, taking care of my mother, and I was doing radio, and I was able to go in my room for an hour. Sometimes she'd go crazy and interrupt me, but uh, I would be in my room, and I would be able to minister on the radio. Uh, so I can still do that from the home. I don't have to leave. Give these people outlets that are called of the Lord, and even the ones that are evangelists that say that churches are not open the door, Lord, let them hit the streets. Come on now. Let them go to the nursing homes that need them so bad. Let them go to the prisons that need them so bad. Let them go to the homeless. Lord, let them hit the streets, Lord. Let us go back, Lord, to the gospel of Jesus Christ, the real gospel, which is souls. The real gospel. Not signs, miracles, and wonders. That will come. We want salvation. We want to change souls. We want to change lives. We want to see transformation. And we, we thank you and give you praise for it, Lord. 
Signs and miracles will come, but that's not what we seek. Oh, viper generation that seeks after signs, miracles, and wonders. We don't do that, Lord. We seek after your face. And we want souls. We want people to get saved. Take us back, Lord, to the old rugged cross, to amazing grace, to I'll fly away, to burning on the floor of the altars in prayer. Bring back the altars to the church, Lord, where people can get on their knees and not just stand there and wait for somebody to touch them. Old-fashioned where they can get on their face weeping and wailing until their victory comes. And we have the mothers at the altar that will stay with them until the victory comes. Where demons will be cast out. Where people would come up there and say, I am an alcoholic. I have a problem with alcohol. I need y'all to pray for me. And then women get on their knees with them and they fight that old devil. And they help them until that person is delivered. In the name of Jesus, bring back the old-fashioned altars, Lord, to our churches, Lord, where we are seeking your face. And when preachers preach, people go run into the altars. Bring it back, Lord. Oh, how we long for the gospel to be preached the way it's supposed to be preached in our country, Lord. Well, like I said, we can't control what other people do, Lord. Use us to do it. Use us. All of us that have churches that have influence, uh, put an altar back up there. Encourage people to come up here anytime to pray. Uh, bring back songs in the days of old that had good doctrine and not just uh, some of the crazy mess that we have out there that focuses on self like, the Lord chases me no matter what sin I'm in, He chases me, Lord help us. And we just thank you and give you praise today, Lord. We worship you, and I pray for all of my friends, too, Lord, that they have air conditioning, that they stay cool today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Brian. Well, I've got some guests in the house right now, so I've got to get back. This is my little prayer time I had with the Lord this morning. So I'm going to get back in there. We're actually going swimming today, uh, so I can start back my exercise routine. Uh, I hope I don't have to do another conference for a while because I want to go back to just doing my regular routine of going to the, doing my exercise every day and my salads and uh, going to the White House, you know, a few hours and then coming home. Yeah. Help me, Lord. This summer has been a very busy summer. I've learned a lot, though, for sure. Uh, well, I love you, Bride, and I pray that this has really blessed you this morning. It's really blessed me. Uh, all the things that the Lord has brought me to this summer has opened my eyes to so much stuff. And I'm just praying, Lord, help me. What do I do with all this? What do I do with what I see? So, Bride, if y'all would please pray for me, I would appreciate it, okay? Well, God bless you. Dr. June out.